We're back in Amsterdam. I'm Rusty Ryan, joined by Sean Larson. I feel like Santa Claus right now with the amount of quack in this bag. <laughs> Santa Claus, it's like Christmas in August. Yeah, it's, uh, it may not be, uh, how, how, okay, I'm trying to figure out, it might not be the Hannah Montana, but it's definitely the Nelly Furtado. For anyone who listens to any rap, they will get that reference. Yeah, that one went way over my head, but someone out there got it. <laughs> Maybe three people, probably no one listening to this podcast, but this is the Nelly Furtado. Um, we're going to go through the Pac-12 South, which is the deepest division other than the SEC West, which is just a whole other level in itself. Like if the SEC West was its own conference, I think it would be the best conference in the country. That's but, fair. Yeah, we went over that last week where pretty much you could make a case for every team in that division being able to win it, yeah. which is just ridiculous. Yeah. Like I have Auburn winning it. Arkansas probably going to be second in that group. And then Alabama. I think LSU is going to be way down. But, you know, I'm this not is, an SEC this blogger. Is what we, this is what we do on Sling and Quack. We just start off with the SEC. <laughs> That's what they want us to do. Yeah, that's what that's what the mothership tells us to do. Just SEC constantly. Um, all right, Pac-12 South. Top to bottom, this is an amazing division. I'm so uh, glad Oregon's not in the Pac-12 South. Oh, yeah. In no particular order, there is uh, alphabetic order. I'm going to try to do my best alphabetical order. <laughs> Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, uh UCLA, USC, and Utah. This is this is deep. Like okay, let's go ahead and start at the bottom and work our way up. Colorado. Col- <laughs> Wait, you, you don't want to you don't want to talk about it first. We're we're starting at the bottom and going up. <laughs> yes. Okay. So Colorado. we're starting with Colorado. Colorado. Um, last year they went two and ten. With wins over Massachusetts and Hawaii. But I think there's a few bright spots. There's, a, there's actually a couple big bright spots with this. Um, it may seem like this is not great still. But judging that they went 1-11 in 2012. Yeah. 111 2012. And then they had their new coach come in, uh, McIntyre. And their one win was, I'm just looking back on it, it was a one point win over Washington, over State. Washington State in Pullman. I'm looking at the spreads on this, on this 2012 year. Minus six against Colorado State, they lost. Minus 22 to Sacramento State, they lost. That sucked. And then going in order, plus 15, plus 20, plus 20, plus 22, plus 40 against USC. Plus 47 against Oregon. They co- they did not cover. Go Ducks. Uh, plus 28, plus 29, plus 21, plus 23. I remember cover- I was covering that Oregon-Colorado game when the Ducks won 70-14. to 14. That was one of the most boring football games I've ever been to in my life. That's pretty much how all the Colorado games go. I think Oregon. I was just like dinking around in the second half and playing Angry Birds or something. <laughs> All right, but here's here's the upside, okay? Uh, they lost to Colorado State last year. Not great. Uh, week three, they only lost to Arizona State by 14. 
It's not not bad considering ASU's talent level. Yeah, and considering they lost by 41 the previous year. Pretty nice improvement. Yeah. Uh, they beat Hawaii. They lost to California by three. Double overtime shootout. Yeah, that is a close game. That could have been... Like, if we're talking uh, the the like close games and like let's just say let's just say Colorado got some breaks. We'll just take every game that was like one possession, right? And we'll make it a win for Colorado. So let's say that Cal game is a win. They're now uh, two uh, three and zero. Oregon State, they almost won that game hosting. That would be 4-1. and one. At USC, that wasn't close. UCLA in double overtime. Two double overtime losses in one year, that's rough. 5-2. and two. Hosting Washington, clear loss. At Arizona, clear loss. At Oregon, clear loss. Utah, that could have been a sixth win. They could have finished 6 and six. They had just one of those years where, you know, you know, what's that old saying? It's like you got to be good to be lucky, lucky to be good, something like that. Yeah. And, I mean, we've talked about it before. It, part of part of sports and part of being a successful team is just getting lucky. And sometimes you're just you always seem to be on the short end of the stick. And that was basically Colorado football 2014 in a nutshell. They had so many of those games that could have gone either way. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, you've... Against you just, good teams. You like flipped UCLA. Those, oh, yeah. You flipped those results. And this could be a team that, you know, could you know, could make an appearance in a bowl game, which yeah. is, it's a, you know, it's a huge, which would be a huge step in the right direction for them. Mm-hmm. You go from just, I mean, you know, not just bad records, but awful records the past few years. And I mean, they, they beat Hawaii September 20th and then they didn't win again the whole season. I, I cannot, as an Oregon football fan, I cannot imagine what it must be like to go from September 27th to November 29th and never win a game. And not only never win a game, but like have your heart stomped on like three or four times in that stretch. Oh yeah. I'd be an alcoholic. That would just be, you would be wazoo level drunk. (laughs) Yeah. Fireball level. Uh, Like they have, they showed so many improvements like i can't really express over a podcast how bad they were in 2012 they were awful i think yeah i think that one win was over was that over mike leach or was that over paul wolf 2012 i think 2012 was before mike leach i think that was the year before mike leach yeah Yes, it was, because in 2013, Washington State made a bowl game. Last year, they had a regression, I think. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, and, like, I really can't stress enough how bad that Colorado team was. Like, looking back at these games, 
they were competitive. Like we we said they were competitive in four games in this mm-hmm. last season. Twenty twelve. The only games they were competitive in were uh besides Washington State, which they won, was Colorado State and Sacramento State. Utah, they made like a really late push, but that game was not competitive for a while. everything else everything else they didn't just lose they got walloped it was bad it was real bad lost 64 19 to fresno state 42 14 to ucla 51 17 to arizona state 50 to 6 ufc uh usc 70 to 14 oregon 48 to 0 stanford 56 31 arizona 38 3 washington what would make you more of an alcoholic, the 2012 season or the 2014 season? 2012, because I'd stop caring at some point. <laughs> or no, 2014 would be the more alcohol-fueled one. 2012, I would just be like, all right, well, I'm, I'm giving up hope on this one. But, yeah, this this but is going to be a good team in a couple more years. They've got some upside. Um, I mean, they've got, and I'm going to butcher their quarterback's name Cepho Lufau sounds good close yeah we, we award points for effort here yes. at Sling and Quack last year completed 65% of his passes 3200 yards 28 TDs 15 interceptions that's a lot gonna need to bring that down just a tad <laughs> can't go all Jameis on us although he threw fewer interceptions than Jameis that's true um, again, one of they had no running backs over 500 yards in 2014. Bringing back leading rusher Christian Powell, he had 85 attempts, 448 yards, four touchdowns. And Nelson Spruce, who is a phenomenal wide receiver, he's coming back too. So, in the words of Lloyd Christmas, you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> you're telling me there's a chance. Um, although I'm looking it, it, at it may be one in a million, but it's a chance. I'm looking at their the the size of their defensive linemen right now. Not big. Like their offensive linemen are 305, 300, 295, 295, 295. Defensive line in a 4-3, 240, 275 for defensive tackle, not big. 325 for the nose tackle, pretty big. Other defensive end, 230. I think we have three linebackers that are 240. And then all their... Small guys there. Yeah, and then their linebackers are 210, 225, 190. That's our secondary. I mean, is that that one of those speed things? uh, They're not making up for size with speed. They're just missing size. That's unfortunate. Oh, you can't win them all. Well, they had nobody two years ago, and it's a zero-sum game. So, like, like even though they showed improvement, like somebody has to lose these games. Yeah. In Colorado, I choose you. All right, do you want to go to the next team? Let's move on. Who do you have fifth? Fifth in the conference. I'm. I'm gonna go. It's a tall. I haven't. I never fully did any uh, dive into any like full blown rankings here. I'm, it's a toss up to me between Arizona and Utah. Um, 
I would say I'm gonna put let me let me let me just put Arizona fifth. Okay, I had Utah. Let's go. Let's go Utah because I've got my notes pulled up and ready to go on Utah here. <laughs> okay. Um. One of well, their rushing game is outstanding. Uh, Devonte Booker might be the best running back in the conference. I know we, and that's kind of compensating for my lack of objectivity. He's uh, a talented guy. Fifteen hundred yards, ten touchdowns last year. Yeah, and he's a physical runner. Like he's yeah. 5'11", 212, but he gets after it. Like one cut in like their offense, he's straight downhill. Like he's he's not a nice he's not a nice man. And they've got Travis Wilson back too, through for just under twenty two hundred yards last year. Eighteen touchdowns, five interceptions, completed about sixty percent of his passes. Mm-hmm. But remember, Kendall Thompson came in. And started out the game against Oregon before he got injured. And that's the guy that was causing Oregon a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Travis Wilson came in, and I was like, okay. It's a little bit more manageable at this point, because it's Travis Wilson. Yep. The thing with Travis Wilson is that he used to make a lot of dumb plays. Like, he stood in there. Like, he even came back from an injury that, like, I even I was surprised he was back at one point. I was like, "Wait, this guy's back? I thought he was done with football." Cuz he he like he had an injury that was just like so bad. Um and the biggest thing is is I'm looking at his interceptions, 5. That's unbelievable for Travis Wilson. Yeah. Like that's such a big step in the right direction. Last year, they beat Idaho State, Fresno State, Michigan, uh, UCLA, they lost to Washington State. Uh, beat UCLA, beat Oregon State in double overtime. Not a great look. Beat USC at home. Lost to Arizona State by three. Lost to Oregon by uh, is that that's twenty four. Although that game was much closer than that score leads us to believe. Uh, yeah. Uh, beat Stanford in double overtime. Uh, I remember they stuffed Stanford. Yeah, Stanford went for it on fourth. And like one, Utah stuffed them and then scored a touchdown with eight seconds left. Oh, there you go. Then they got, uh, then they got absolutely curb stomped by Arizona, forty-two to ten lost, and then finished beating Colorado by four. So this year they open up at Michigan on a Thursday. In the big house. The big house is going up on a Thursday. Uh, then they play Utah State Friday. And they're at Fresno State at Oregon on September 26th. Not an easy opening. No, not at all. Chucky Keaton, dangerous. He's dangerous. He doesn't have Gary Anderson running off and say more, but he's solid. Fresno State, never an easy place to play. Although they should win those two games, and for honestly, they put they should beat Michigan. Yeah, they've got they've got Michigan at home to open the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't think Jim Harbaugh's going to turn around that Michigan program in four weeks. Not feeling it. I don't think that'll happen. Maybe end of the year, them beating Ohio State would be really really funny. Um, but they're going to have like a couple. Those are going to be some good... I think those will be really good games for Utah. 
They aren't pushovers. They're not FCS. They're solid opponents. And props to you guys. Props to Utah for scheduling these games. Right? This is not like your SEC pushover schedule. Right. Let's or heck, see. Heck, I mean, even, let's let's be honest, most years Oregon has a pushover schedule. Yeah, it's we have Eastern better. Washington this year. It's getting better. And Georgia State. Well, I've the whole thing... Through, sat, I've sat through some rough FCS games in my time. Right. Well, the whole point of that is Oregon has seven home games because they make like $3 million a home game. So you have to have seven. So you pay an FCS team to come out every year. You yep. pay them $400,000. So you still make $2.5 million instead of giving up one of those games to doing a home-and-home with somebody. That's why neutral site games are so big now because you just do a one-off and you still make your money. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that'll be a good... That's a that's a that's just a delicious Pac-12 opener. Oregon and Utah at Autzen. That should be fun. Yeah, that's going to be real nice. You know who's not back this year is everyone's favorite Utah receiver, Caitlin Clay. Which, why is he everybody's fact, favorite? The fumble from last year. Oh, yeah. He was the guy. He was the guy. Here's, here's a fun fact I learned in doing my homework on Utah. If he had not fumbled against Oregon, he would have led the team in touchdowns last year. But alas, destiny would not have it. He would have led the team in touchdowns? Oh, yeah. They have a log jam with everybody has like four touchdowns. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. Kenneth, Kenneth Scott is back. Yeah, he led the team with 48 catches last year, had 506 yards and five touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Defensively, they've got to replace Nate Orchard, who had like 18 and a half sacks. And they've got to rely on Hunter Dimmick. He had a good like 10 sack performance from last year, so mm-hmm. they're going to need him to step up to fill in for Orchard. They do get back leading tackler Jared Norris. He had 116 tackles last year. So, yeah, it's, you know, they might be in that fourth to fifth range, but again, it's the Pac-12 South, and it's so deep that anything could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the th- what stood out to me with Utah is their running game is exceptional. Mm-hmm. They have four linemen back. And they aren't bad anywhere. There's nothing where I'm like, oh, this is how you attack them. But no no gaping holes. There's no gaping holes. Uh, Their quarterback play is above average. Um, Their receivers, none of them stand out. They're all competent, but you don't have the one guy who's really separated himself you need that one guy where you just look at him and you're like we need to shut him down right um and it's very clear looking at a lot of these names that uh for their offensive and defensive lines they recruit heavily from the pacific just throwing that out there there's Um, the big simone boys uh they don't have to be simone but pacific island Samoa, Hawaii. Um, I don't get the feeling that Guam puts out a ton of guys. That's more or less closer to like Southeast Asia, really. 
than really like more. I think some you of the didn't, Pacific Islands. You didn't know you were getting a geography lesson on Sling and Quack tonight, did you? <laughs> you didn't. Um, Utah, Utah is. They had a really rough time getting into it, into the Pac 12. I think this is their fifth year now in the Pac 12. Mm hmm. So. Yeah, last year they had. Happy anniversary. They went nine and four last year, five and four in the conference. It was their first nine win season since 2010. Mm hmm. So they're, you know, back on the uprise. Maybe. We'll see. Right. I think they will not be bad. I think they'll be very good. Mm -hmm. But by virtue of them being in the ridiculous Pac-12 South. They're going to be good. They're just going to get buried down in the conference. Somebody has to lose. Yeah. It's zero sum. So they're at Michigan. Or they're hosting Michigan. I think that's a win. Hosting Utah State, that's a win. At Fresno, that's a win. At Oregon, that's a loss because I'm an Oregon fan. Uh, By week, hosting California. Uh, Last year, they missed California. So that'll be great for their defensive backs, who at times kind of gave up some gaps last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hosting Arizona State, who they went to overtime with. That'll be be great. Competitive game, yep. At USC, uh, who they beat, that'll be a solid game. Hosting Oregon State, that'll be a win. At Washington, who they missed last year. At Arizona, who they totally pooped the bed against. They lost 42-10. Hosting UCLA, who they beat. Then hosting Colorado, that's a win. Maybe. Maybe Colorado steals it. The safe pick is Utah wins. They've got some potential this year. They could be that team that sneaks up. I don't think yeah. they will, but there's but a it chance. Could happen. It yeah. could happen. Everything's up for grabs. All right, ready to move on to the next team? Moving on. All right, who you got? We're going We're going Arizona next, I believe. I have Arizona fourth as well. Or you had Arizona fifth. Right. I had Arizona fifth. We... We had him in flip-flop spots, so we covered Utah, and so now we are on to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the pleasant surprises for them was uh, a new Solomon. He came in, had a lot of talent, mm-hmm. played very well, and like really mistake-free for a freshman. Yeah, threw nine interceptions, but he had twenty-eight touchdowns, almost four thousand yards. Both of those were breaking school freshman records. Were they? They were, yep. Um, the the big thing with Arizona, they were so inconsistent. Mm-hmm. They crushed UNLV, yet the next week they struggled against uh, University of Texas San Antonio, uh, escaped from Nevada, or escaped Nevada, beat Calif- California by the slightest. Like, they should have been significantly better than Cal last year. At Oregon, they won. That was probably their best performance of the year. Uh, At USC, they lost. You know, can't win them all. USC was a good team. At Washington State, great performance, getting almost 60 points. At UCLA, they scored seven points. 
You go from 60 to 7 in one week. How is that possible? I don't know. Hosting Colorado, 1 by 18. Hosting Washington, 1 by 1. What is going on? At Utah, they win by 32. Hosting Arizona State, two good games in a row, 1 by 7. Oregon, Pac-12 title game. They lost by 38. They got walloped. As much as I'd like to believe that Oregon is that much better, Wildcats did not play well. They could get, they could open up zero holes on offense. They turned the ball over like three times in the first quarter. Like that game was out of hand in the first half. There was a point, I think, in the first half when they were, like, averaging negative rushing yards or something. Oh, yeah, that was true. They had negative rushing yards, like, in the second quarter. Yeah. I think they had a long run, like, at the end of the first half, and they ended up with 14 first-half rushing yards. Yeah, I remember that. That was, that was to this day, the most dominating I've ever seen Oregon defensively. Yeah, I think Oregon was on fire, but I think that was more Arizona playing bad. Yeah. As much as I like to believe. Yeah, Arizona played so bad, I booked my tickets to the Rose Bowl at halftime. Bold strategy, guy. I, <laughs> I booked my tickets to the Rose Bowl at halftime. So, big, so big half. Coordinated with a couple friends. We figured out what hotel we were staying at and everything in that 20-minute halftime. Well done. Yeah. That was efficiency. Um, so, 2015, they're opening against their friends from UT San Antonio. Uh-huh. That should be a win. Then they go... This yeah. could be an interesting one, maybe. They go on the road to Nevada... And mm-hmm. then come back to play Northern Arizona. Mm-hmm. And then get another home game against UCLA. That's going to be a big game. September 26th is a throwdown. That's a big weekend. Yeah. It's going to be a fun weekend of college football. Oregon, that day. Utah, Arizona, UCLA. That's a Should great weekend. Good times. And they go on the road to Stanford. That's going to be a very good test for the Stanford uh, defense, who's replacing who are replacing like uh, eight guys, and that's at like every position. At yeah. home against Oregon State. Oh yeah, and that's that's Stanford's first real test, because Stanford plays at Northwestern, UCF. Oh no, they play at USC. Never mind. And then on the road to Colorado. That's a win. Back home to play Washington State. And then they've got, a, as far as like travel goes, they've got a very balanced schedule for the first, for most of the year. Yes. And then this will be interesting to see how they finish out. It's a, they've got a brutal stretch. So they go on the road to Washington. Washington, as I've discussed for I before, think can always be. Struggle. Yeah, I, I think Arizona will walk out with a win, but you know, little little Halloween festivities at Husky Stadium. Washington should eat. Arizona should be Washington. And then they go on the road to USC. 
at home versus Utah and then on the road against Arizona State. I mean, that USC, Utah, Arizona State, that's a brutal way to close out the year. You could you could easily go 0-3 in that stretch. And, you know, Washington State is dangerous. You never know where the Cougs are going to slip up and where they're going to just sneak up on you. And... You don't know when they're going to coog it or when you're going to get cooged. And that's the beauty of Washington State football. Washington State football. Yeah, I think this team is going to be real good. They have seven back on offense, six back on defense. Their real question comes in the defensive secondary. They run a 3-3, so it's pretty heavy already mm-hmm. on uh, in the backfield, but they have to replace three guys. Which is always tough, yeah. Right. Although they have Scooby Wright, which apparently I... makes up for a bunch of stuff. Yeah, although... I think he's a pretty big product of the defense, but he also makes a lot of plays. He's so talented. I'm just, I, uh, he frustrates me. I think just... he makes plays more than he's really talented. Yeah. I think, I think he's going to have a big regression. 163 tackles, 29 tackles for a loss, 14 sacks. That's hard to top. But I think he's going to have a steep regression. Yeah. When you double. Is it just because. Do you think he's going to fall off just because it's so hard to match those numbers? Or oh yeah, he came out of nowhere. It's like it's like Jermaine Curse when he was like Mister Monday Night for one year. Yeah, like he was absolutely dominant for one year. So in a lot of those plays, like a lot of those like turnovers that he caused were. I think turnovers are offensive mistakes, personally. If you get stripped of the football, you weren't holding it right. Like, if you're holding a football correctly, no one should be stealing a football from you. An interception is really a bad pass, unless it was tipped. But then that was the receiver's fault. So I'm one of those where it's much more... A turnover is much more about the offense than it is the defense. Right. That, That makes sense. And... I mean, I, I just see the reason I had um, the reason I had Arizona down there at fifth was just because I, I think that they're a good they're a good team. I mean, they you know coming off of a trip to the Fiesta Bowl, which is they got really hot at the end of the year, and minus their little slip up against Oregon, they were they ended the year on a hot streak last year, but. Well, they lost to Boise State. They lost to Boise State. But, well, ending the year on a hot streak as in pretty much up to the Pac-12 title game. Yeah. Ending the regular season on a hot streak, I should say. But I think this year, I just, I look at that stretch of games, USC, Utah, ASU. That's that's a tough schedule. That's a tough way to end a year. Um, just with three, three tough opponents in consecutive weeks. Um, I don't know if they can make it out of that alive. Right. I mean, the the secondary is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be, I think, their deal breaker on how good they are. Like, on their, on their defense, it's really junior and senior heavy. Mm-hmm. And they return 
two offensive linemen. So, although, although, they have Trey Griffey. Ken Griffey Jr.'s kid. There you go. Man, we've got all these, like, sons of legends in our conference. We've got offspring of Barry Sanders, Ken Griffey Jr., like... McCaffrey. Yeah. Pac-12. P. Diddy. It's the, it's the conference of conference of championship offspring. And uh, don't forget Combs at UCLA. Of course. That's pretty speaking big. Of, speaking and then, of UCLA. Yeah, and then New Heisel even said, yeah, he got a little preference because he was a celebrity. kid. <laughs> Hollywood. Yeah. Are you saying that you have UCLA third? UCLA is going to be third in the Pac-12 South. All right, well, here's where we disagree. I have UCLA winning the South. Oh, bold strategy. I have UCLA winning. Let's just talk about US, UCLA. All right. They are returning so many people. I think experience at quarterback is pretty overrated. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, because they're talking about this year how like on a lot of the off-season uh, talks, there are so many first-year starters that win the national championship. So I really think that's overrated in a way. Yeah. Like, you can have your special quarterbacks, but for the most part, experience isn't that big of a factor. Mm-hmm. Like, a new Solomon did great, and he was a freshman. You know, Brett Hundley, all his experience, vastly underperformed. Mm-hmm. So... But they have 10 starters back on offense. Yeah. They have a lot eight of guys on defense. Who are coming back. Yeah, and even their their offensive line were studs. Paul Perkins is back, 1,618 yards. Uh, most importantly, their defense is astounding. Their defense is so solid, especially on the defensive line. Yeah. Like, I am really, really glad we missed these guys on the schedule. Although I think we'll play them in the Pac-12 championship game. They were really undone by turnovers in their big games. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about the defensive line. They got some big boys up there. Kenny Clark, 308 pounds. Eddie Vanderdoes, 6'3", 305. Mm -hmm. Five-star rivals recruit. And then Miles Jack, the linebacker, who I think is the best linebacker in the conference. Yep. So, I mean... 72 tackles. So he's their their top returning linebacker. They lost Eric Kendricks, who led the team with 123 tackles. So, yeah, Miles... And it's a... I mean, if you're just looking... Let's just look at this one stat category of just tackles for simplicity purposes... It's a little bit of a fall off. You got Miles Jack with seventy two tackles and Dion Holland's twenty eight tackles. So there's kind of a, a drop off there, but again, that's just one one stat of, of many factors of being a stud at the linebacker position. Mm-hmm. I just think that their line play on offense and defense mm-hmm. is gonna be a huge, huge deal breaker. Yeah. Well I I think it's you know, they've 
they've got some got some good guys on that O line, and I'm with you. I think the whole like you got to have an elite quarterback to win is overrated type of thing, mm-hmm. um, or an experienced quarterback. Right. An elite quarterback is very valuable. Right, experience is over because you can have a freshman stud come in and just turn heads and nobody would see it coming. But Jameis Winston's but, first year, Johnny Menzel's first year, Carl exactly. Jones the last three games of the season. R.I.P. Balducci. But uh, what I always like watching is seeing kind of that relationship between a solid O line and seeing how it translates into a running game because mm-hmm. they kind of go hand in hand there. Yeah, um, the offensive you're, line you're is not, much more of a determinant. Right, of, you're not going to have a running game without a solid O line, and when you've got a guy like Paul Perkins back there who ran for fifteen, almost sixteen hundred yards and nine mm-hmm. touchdowns last year, if you have a solid O line, that can be a very dangerous thing. Yes, and uh, as I noted, or I read in a couple different places. Their new defensive coordinator, Tom Bradley, is apparently very, very good mm-hmm. at making defenses good. And so I think that'll be a big plus. I remember uh, their defensive coordinator last year like threw a giant hissy fit after Thomas Tyner had a screen pass for a touchdown. Remember there was that huge tussle? Oh, yeah. Where the... where sorry, uh, who, who was it? Moore went up to him. And like said something, and the defensive coordinator just like lashed out and was basically like, "Here, you call the plays," and like walked. Oh, away. I remember that. That was, that was like some. That was some. Oh man, that was like that was gold. I don't think that was great by anybody though. Like, if you're Jim Mora, are you really gonna get that upset about the play call? Like, it was such a little hissy fit. It was like temper tantrums. It was a temper tantrum by the defensive coordinator. Yeah. It was like a really bad look by Mora. Right. And it's one of these things, though, where coaches make it so much about themselves. Like, so many coaches make it about themselves. So I was just looking at what Tom Bradley did. 2005 to 2011 at Penn State, his defenses only once ranked worse than 12th in defensive S&P+. That's amazing. And I know you're all about those fancy stats. Uh, Yeah, it's 2015. Living in the future, people. Yeah. So, I just think this team is... This team's going to be so good. You have them winning. All right. What about the uh, what about the other other LA team? Well, let's go let's go through their schedule. For let's UCLA? go through yeah, let's go through UCLA's schedule. All right. Last year they beat Virginia uh, by one score. They beat Memphis by one score, beat Texas by one score at Arizona State. They won 62 to 27. Lost to Utah at home, lost to Oregon at home. Beat California by two. Beat Colorado by three in double overtime. Beat Arizona by 17-7. to seven. Beat Washington 44-30. Beat USC 28-20, or 38-20. Lost to Stanford 10-31. to They're so inconsistent, though. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, like, been their thing, like, the last few years, is that they just do dumb stuff. Yeah. 
And I think their defense is going to be much more consistent. So you're not going to see them give up uh, 37 to Colorado. They're not going to give up 30 to Washington. You know, I think their offense, like, as much talent as Brett Hunley had, he did a lot of dumb stuff. He took so many sacks that he didn't need to. That was what I remember. He just, like, held on to the ball for so long and just made really bad choices with the football. Yeah. So you you think on that defensive side, Tom Bradley is going to make a huge difference? Yes, I think they're going to be much more consistent. And Mm -hmm. the offense, that's the only part that worries me is their offense does dumb stuff. Yeah. And they've got a... uh, But you can't really account for that, except, like, I don't know. Yeah. They consistently do dumb stuff, but I don't think you can, like, really factor in dumb stuff happening that much in your preseason predictions. Right. So they've got that little quarterback battle between... Jerry Neuheisel and freshman Josh Rosen. Yeah, and Neuheisel is not that great. Yeah. Coach's favorite. Yeah. All right, who do you have second? I second, I have I have USC. I have USC second also. We agree on something. Yes. Huzzah. Yes. So their linebackers are going to be really good. They actually have like a full roster now of solid players. Yeah, they're bringing back 14 starters. Mm-hmm. Um, on that defensive side, they need to replace, obviously, Leonard Williams and Hayes Pollard, leading tackler. Mm-hmm. Um, Leonard Williams is the bigger loss. He exactly, got doubled yeah. and triple teamed every single time. Yeah, that's the that's the big guy you'll need to replace. Mm-hmm. Um, Suwa Cravens is back. He led the team in interceptions with three, and tackles for loss with seventeen. Yeah, I'm, and it's crazy how good Cody Kessler is. He, Except nobody seems to realize how good he is. Like yeah, he's like he's, a Heisman contender. He's, he's like the most. Which is so different than like what we're used to with you. Like we're so used to USC quarterbacks. Like just it's all about the USC quarterbacks and like building them for the NFL and the whole team functions around this USC quarterback. You know, you've. I mean, they're like their history of quarterbacks. It's it's a bunch of guys who like. Yeah, we might laugh at their names now because everyone seems to fizzle out in the NFL. But uh-huh. like, just think of what they did in college and like. Matt Barkley, Matt Liner, uh, you know, Carson Palmer, like all these all these guys who are just so elite and just everything centered around them. It, it, and then you've got Cody Kessler who just nobody seems to talk about. Last year he threw 39 touchdowns and five interceptions. That's ridiculous. His completion percentage was 69.7. Was that better than Mariota's? Let's check. It might have been. Marcus Mariota, 68.3. Pretty close. Yeah. I mean, this guy's so good. He's so good. And Steve Sarkeesian said they're going to be a running team first. Right. Which, you know, is good because they have every lineman coming back. And they've got, yeah, so they're... 
they've lost four of their six top wide receivers, but they should be good in the backfield. I mean, they're they're losing Buck Allen, who ran for almost 1,500 yards, but they're going to mix in Trey Madden and Justin Davis. I think Trey then, Madden's yeah. going to get most the carries. I agree. And then, He's, yeah, that that offensive line, they've got Matt Matt Turk, all Pac-12, a pair of freshman All-Americans, and a couple big guys, Zach Brenner. I dare you to say Vianney's name. I'm not even going to try. Talamuaba. Did you practice that? No, that's not even correct either. Talamuaba. <laughs> yeah, both, and both Brenner and Damian Mama are 350 plus pounds. Are they actually... They, well, who knows with what a media guide says. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh my god, those guys are huge. Let me I wanna see what they're listed as real quick. They're listed. Turk is two eighty five. Uh Vianney. Three twenty. He's the right guard. Left guard is Damian Mama. Three fifty eight. Right yep. tackle, Zach Banner. 360. Oh, God. Oh, God. 369, six, 360. Oh, sweet Jesus. Oh, my God. Oregon's <laughs> never going to penetrate them at all. Cody hide your kids. Hide your wife. Hide your husband. 20 years to throw the ball back there. Oh, my God. Those guys. Let's look at their defensive line. You can't see it, guys, right now. You can't see it, but I'm actually in the corner of my room in the fetal position rocking back and forth right now. Claude Pellin, defensive end, 300. Antoine Woods, nose tackle, 320. Defensive tackle, Delvin Simmons, 295. Their linebackers are 245, 235, 230, 225. These are some football players. Yeah. Football. Yeah. And then, you know, their receivers, they they lose Hayes Pollard, Leonard Williams. Uh, but, you know... All these guys are like five, four and five stars coming out of high school. It's mm-hmm. not like these guys like need that much. Oh, never mind. Red off, uh, red off the defensive players. Never mind. They lose Nelson Aguilar, who was amazing, but they have Juju Smith back. They lose Javorius Allen and George Farmer. Yeah, so I've heard that uh, Juju Smith is going to be kind of their go-to guy. I think that's a pretty safe guess. And then I've heard that I've heard Stephen Mitchell is killing it in spring practice. People were he he had some some rave reviews from his spring play. All right, let's take a look at their schedule last year. Beat Fresno State by a billion. Uh, and it's they actually did beat Fresno State by a billion. That's 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 what's on the scoreboard. That's the factual score. At Stanford, they won thirteen to ten. At Boston College, they lost by six. At Oregon State, won by twenty five. At Arizona State, or hosting Arizona State, lost by four. That was when they had perhaps the worst hail mary defense I've ever seen in my life. I I watched that play on on YouTube right before we started this podcast, and it's a is that terrible like I'm, it's bad 
I've never seen like you're so used to seeing like okay your standard hail mary is usually going to be it's gonna you're gonna huck it up there there's gonna be like ten guys in a mosh pit together ball's gonna get tipped around and it's either just gonna fall to the ground get picked off or like someone is just gonna miraculously come up with it out of that scrum and score the touchdown but no the guy who caught it just like cleanly grabbed it and 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 ran in it landed it was gonna land like five yards in front of the goal line so everybody was like in the end zone and this guy just sneaks underneath and just runs into the end zone it was one of the dumbest plays you've ever seen um at arizona one by two at uh hosting colorado one by 24 at utah lost by three at washington state one by 24 Mm-hmm. Hosting Cal, won by eight. At UCLA, lost by 18. They turned the ball over a lot that game. That was bad. Yep. Uh, no, UCLA turned it over that game, I think. Yeah, I think UCLA turned it over more because I distinctly remember Brett Hunley throwing a pick six as the initial score. But they kind of... I remember they just got, like, mauled by UCLA. And at Notre Dame, 49-14. People are already saying that, like, that game at Notre Dame on October 17th is, like, a playoff game. Notre Dame is not good. And I'm sick of people saying they're good. They haven't been good forever. It's like like Notre Dame always gets thrown into, like, the big game elite matchup conversation just because they're Notre Dame. Because it's old people picking these games and like they who could, are analysts. They could be like 0-12 or like 0-11 going into the final game and it's USC Notre Dame. It's like, oh, it's a big game on the schedule. Yeah, it's a joke. It's a joke. It, it's just it's just like writing off the history because you have this feeling that USC or that Notre Dame is going to be good again one day. And so that these games will matter in the future at some point. Your your favorite Uncle Lou Holtz just tries to make you believe every year. I remember the year after Notre Dame went 3-9. Lou Holtz picked Notre Dame to win the national championship. Because of course he did. How that guy was on TV for so long is beyond me. He was so bad at being an analyst. He was so, so bad. He was just like, he was the lovable, crazy uncle at the Christmas gathering. Who wasn't lovable, but was actually kind of like weird and you wanted to stay away from him. It was just all Uncle Lou's rambling again. Something about 3-9 Notre Dame winning it all. He's he's on repeat just saying uh, halftime locker room speeches. I remember college game day final (laughs) or college football live used to have uh, like a sketch where Notre, where Lou Holtz would give pep talks to teams on <laughs> Thursday, and they're like, "Here's Lou Holtz pep talk," and he would basically like write a pep talk for like a team that came off a loss, and who had like a big game, and that's when I lost faith in humanity. The Lou Holtz pep talks. The Lou Holtz pep talk. Did you remember on, I think it happened last year, on one of the ESPN shows, and I forget what they were even talking about because I've only seen 
the vine of it. I never saw like the full blown clip. But like Reese Davis was asking him something and he just starts like he literally just babbles and just spits out gibberish for like seven seconds. That was pretty common. I think I stopped watching at one point because it was so bad or I would legit watch it with the sound off. And I would listen to like some other college football thing, but I would watch it with the sound off just so I could watch the highlights. That's how bad they were. Good, like, I, good old Lou Holtz. I love college football. I will watch almost anything related to college football. I would turn that off because it was so bad. What What would you do if Oregon was in the national championship game and Lou Holtz was on the play-by-play? Uh, I would turn the sound off and listen to the radio. There you go. Winning solutions. Yes. Okay, so USC. Yes. Hosts Arkansas State. Hosts Idaho. Host Stanford. So they're going to be 2-0 and when they face off against Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, it was very close. Like, uh, USC needed a late field goal to win. I think they beat Stanford by, like, a couple touchdowns. Then they're at Arizona State. I think that's a win. They have a bye. Then they host Washington on Thursday. That's a win. At Notre Dame, that's a win. Hosting Utah, that's a win. At Cal. That's a win. I think that's that's dangerous, though. Could be a little trap game there. Hosting Arizona, I think that's a win. At Colorado, that's a win. At Oregon. At Oregon. That, that'll be... I mean, if, if if everything is shaping up, if everything shakes out like it should, then that could be the biggest game of the year for... It could be one of the biggest games of the year in college football. Yeah, I think that will determine whether USC wins the Pac-12 South. Right. And I think... Well, obviously, I think Oregon's going to win. Because I'm me. Um, but I also think that... USC plays at Oregon. I'm praying that's a loss. I'm not even going to pick that game. I'm just praying it's a loss for USC. And then they're hosting UCLA, who I think they will beat. Or who I think I think UCLA will beat them. Mm-hmm. So if they... I think that's the more important game for the Pac-12 South. But I think in terms of talent for Oregon, USC is the biggest game on the schedule after Michigan State. But it's the biggest in-conference game. I would agree. Like, I would say even more than Stanford. Um, all right, so number one, you have Arizona State. I have Arizona State. I have Arizona State number three. So they're coming off their first back-to-back 10-win seasons in more than four decades. Mm-hmm. They've got they've got one of those loaded-up backfields to Mario Richard. Kalen Ballage, Gump Hayes. Offensive line, they're having to replace two starting tackles. So uh-huh. that'll be kind of interesting how that plays out. Um, bouncing back to quarterback. Got to replace Taylor Kelly. So they've got... Mike uh, Bertovici. Mike Bertovici. And Who's he, solid. He's so he, good. 
and he's already kind of proven himself. He so he came in and in relief when Kelly went down, led ASU to wins over USC and Stanford. USC with that freak Hail Mary play. Yes. And so he's he's a very solid option when you're needing to bring in a new quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um wide receiver they lost Jalen Strong of the NFL who is fantastic Cameron Smith is out with a knee injury so they're going to rely pretty heavily on uh, DJ Foster who's playing I think exclusively exclusively at receiver this year that yeah that's what I heard so that'll be kind of the go-to target out there Um, defensive side they're bringing back all three starting linebackers um they lost four-star JC recruit Devon Durant, who was arrested for alleged domestic abuse. So that's kind of a gray area for them. Um, it's a nice so way the, of putting it. Yep. So the thing that that I kind of noticed was they play most of their tough conference games at home. USC. Oregon, Arizona, UCLA. They a lot of those like just really tough games are at home and I'm I'm not saying that fabulous Sun Devil Stadium is a hostile place to play, but obviously obviously it's it's always a little bit easier to play at home than going on the road. Um, I think Arizona State can get out for a few big games. Yeah. So I, I think the fact that they have like so many of those tough games at home, again, going back to sometimes you need a little bit of luck on your side, uh-huh. and I think they kind of got the luck of the draw in that schedule. And hold up, I, I'm going to go back on what I said about the schedule, because I was reading USC's schedule just now. <laughs> well, no, Something. Arizona State's the same way. They host USC... Mm-hmm. Uh, host Oregon, host Arizona. Their tough games on the road are, is at UCLA, right. but also at Utah, who they beat in overtime, nineteen sixteen. And the so the and the this will be a fun one to watch um, at Washington State. The Palouse, baby. Washington State's gonna gonna beat some people this year. Fun fun game to watch on ASU's. I, om- is... I almost want to revise my statement. I th- Are you putting faith in the Cougs? I'm going to put Washington State above Washington. I can get behind that. I'm going to put Washington State fourth. Um, so, okay, so here's what I want to pick your brain about on, on Arizona State. Okay. So there's been, and the, I mean, they are obviously a very, very outside team looking in, but... On the subject of the college football playoff, there's been some chatter with the Sun Devils. Not, not, not a lot of talk, just some chatter. And one of the big things about making the college football playoff is, yes, you have to win games, but you also need the schedule to do it. And obviously, you know, Pac-12 schedule in itself is tough enough they're opening the season against Texas A&M at home, which is kind of a fun matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if they I, beat Texas A&M and win the conference they're in. You so you would say so you would say that putting Arizona State in the preseason college football playoff talk is a fair statement. I think it's fair. I think if they lose to Texas A&M they're automatically out. Right. Cuz I don't think Texas A&M is going to be that great. Well, yeah, that's cuz that's that's part one. And that's relative to the SEC West. Yeah, that that's I think they're going to finish fourth. The playoff is I mean, it's like a two-part thing. You need to get the you need to get the good schedule and then you need to take advantage win those games, obviously. Yeah. I mean, and that that was a big reason why Oregon made it or was, was third because they beat Michigan State. Right. You need kind of that you need that big, and sometimes even if it's just over like a big name opponent like Texas A and M, that can that can boost you a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Because Texas A and M is good. Yeah, but they're they're, in, they're, they're lower not like in the SEC Johnny West. Manziel good anymore, but they're still a very good program, and mm-hmm. it would be a huge win to start the season for them. Right, but if uh, they lose, they're out. Right, and it's, it's like every it seems like every single preseason we have the conversation of like Arizona state is knocking on the door and this is the year they're finally going to break through. And, you know, so I'm, I'm going with, this is the year that they finally do it. I'm not feeling. Wow. USC, USC is not really that great of a road team. And they've got, I think they've got like five games against, projected top 25 teams and only like two of them are at home so they've got a few tough road games in there and so i'm i'm, I'm feeling arizona state and i'm gonna say it's oregon over asu in the pac-12 title game Ooh. Ooh. i think things to look out for they lost a lot of big players from last year. They could be replaced by guys who were on the second string last year, but I don't think they're that deep. If they have some injuries, they could lose some of those tail-end games. Yeah. Second point, they lost to UCLA, Oregon State, and Arizona. Those were losses. Like, they sucked those games. And that's the thing about Arizona State is like they get all this kind of preseason hype where like this is the year they're going to finally break out, and then they kind of just they just kind of fall apart again and lose these games that they shouldn't, and you never really you never really know. They're kind of like you know they're kind of like the the Nebraska of the Pac-12. It's like okay, they're going to win like nine ish games, mm-hmm. and then get to a decent bowl game and that's going to be the life of Arizona State football. Mm-hmm. Like, like they don't really like ever break into that next level like Oregon managed to do, you know, 5 6 years ago. Yeah. It's kind of like where UCLA just dumb does dumb stuff during the games and so mm-hmm. they end up losing a couple close ones. Arizona State has games where they just are not even in it. Yeah. Not even close. I mean, because I'm looking back at their 2014 schedule here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. UCLA, they started the year 3-0. and I mean, it was against Weber State, New Mexico, and Colorado, but 3-0 and nonetheless. Then they just got 
They got slapped across the face by UCLA at home. Gave 62 up four to turnovers. 27. Gave up four turnovers. And then they went back on a hot streak. Beat USC, Stanford, Washington, Utah, Notre Dame. So they had a string of... And one, two, three, four out of those five games wins against ranked teams. Um, the Utah one was all, I mean, it was, aside from like USC, they put up 38 points. Notre Dame, they put up 55. But the other ones, Utah, 19 points, Washington, 24, Stanford, 26. Not a ton of offensive output there. Well, you know what's, you know what's very problematic? Oregon State was abysmal on offense mm-hmm. all season, especially running. Oregon State rushed for 247 yards against Arizona State. How is that possible? Like that's a like a rip in the space-time continuum. Like maybe another universe where Arizona State didn't have a good rush defense, like intersected with ours. Maybe on like that new planet that we discovered, that's like sort of like Earth. That's where it happens. Right. Or it's Scientology and that, like, one of their guys are involved. Tom Cruise is the offensive coordinator. Yeah, so they were outgaining that game by 131 yards against a not-good team. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a huge problem. Um, And, I mean, like, Arizona was pretty close. That was a seven-point loss, but they should yeah. have beaten Arizona, in my opinion. Like, they played so badly that game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's the one thing that makes me shy away from Arizona State is they just have terrible games, and they don't have awesome depth. Valid points. So, and UCLA, I think, is capable of doing both those things. So, is capable of not doing those things. More, more like it. Um, so, we're going to... So- I've got Oregon over ASU for the title game. You've got Oregon over UCLA. Correct. I know, not shocking. Little rematch of the uh, rematch of the inaugural Pac-12 title game. Yeah, UCLA. They need to to go back to hosting it at home stadiums and not try and like. Not this crap. It's so bad. Like, there's gonna be there's gonna be twenty thousand people at Levi Stadium and just embarrass everyone again and and they do it with, it's like a Friday night game too it's like sorry I have work I can't come to this game um, I think they put it on a Saturday this year okay so that's an improvement yeah but, but it's, it's like I remember the first year that they did the Pac-12 title game when we got student tickets for it and how it was at Autzen Stadium but it was like. It was on Friday. I market it as a neutral site game, basically. Uh-huh. Like they, so it had UCLA stuff all over it. Yeah, like there was a giant-ass UCLA banner hanging down the side of Autzen Stadium. Um, that's, that's some bullshit. It, it was like Oregon logo on one side, UCLA logo on the other. And these were like giant-ass logos, too. Yeah, and then they had UCLA wraps yep. and some like crappy and they, uh, Oregon wrap because Nike owns the trademark on the Oregon O and now the Pac-12 is a Adidas conference it's unfortunate it would be really funny I don't know exactly what Adidas has access to now 
But it would be really funny. Because, like, so the Pac-12 owns the Pac-12 championship game. Right. And they own the media rights to Pac-12 games. Adidas is now the Pac-12 apparel provider. How funny would it be if Adidas came out with a commercial featuring the Pac-12 and it featured Nike teams predominantly? And That's can like pretty to, much what happens. Tried to cut in on Nike's like brand value with these teams. Maybe yeah. cause some confusion. I think that would be really funny. Oh, the business side of sports. It's a it's a magical place. Yes. Although that's just my opinion, solely. No one else holds that opinion but me. <laughs> I mean, like nobody else around me necessarily holds that opinion. So So where I don't know if we've dabbled in this yet. We might have in an earlier pod, but where do you have where do you have Oregon finishing the year as far as a bowl game or playoff or god damn it i didn't want this question to come up well you i mean, can't avoid they, the inevitable if they win the pack 12 i'm so torn because i just did that posting for bruins nation mm-hmm. and i was like a, as a fan i think they can go undefeated or one loss but if right. i was vegas i would put the over under a 10 and it's I want to believe. I don't know. I can't pick Oregon. Like, I know, like, I could throw out an answer, but it's not objective at all. Yeah. So, I think... Man, I don't know. I don't know. Like, maybe... Like, Ohio State's not in, but Ohio State's definitely in. I think Auburn's definitely in. Mm-hmm. And then... I think Baylor will make it in. Yeah, I, I've seen like... But I don't see Oregon getting beaten out by an ACC team. And I don't see an SEC East team getting in either. And I don't see a... Don't uh, see like two... TCU getting in? See, that's the other concern. It's like, what if what if the Big 12 gets two teams in? Right, because I've seen some projections where it's Baylor and TCU at that 3-4 spot. Yeah, and that's what that's what worries me. That's the only mm-hmm. scenario where I see the Ducks missing it if yeah. they win the conference. I think here's what we'll say. I think if Oregon beats Michigan State mm-hmm. and then wins the conference, they're in. If they lose to Michigan State, they won't be in because Michigan State's going to play Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. Right, and if Michigan State's not going to make it. Oregon's not going to make it because of the head-to-head. Yeah. And if that, Oregon doesn't win the conference... Michigan state game is just so important this year. Right. And if Oregon loses... If Oregon doesn't win the conference, there's no way that TCU or somebody else... There, there's no way that they're going to win out mm-hmm. over TCU. Yeah. Or... Or like they're not even going to get in because the Pac-12 champion is going to get in first, get in before them. But then that's not even a guarantee with TCU. So they have to win the conference and then they have to beat Michigan State. It's a fair assessment. It's just it's going to be very. I'm going to have to like wrap my mind around the concept of wanting to play in the Orange Bowl or Cotton Bowl this year. And then we're going to play Ohio State. 
foreign concept. And then I we're feel play Ohio State. I, I feel, and maybe it's just the, maybe it's just the uh, the anger of January still still fresh in the veins. But I feel like I I just when I think about like playing Ohio State and maybe like Cardell Jones, um, I, I get that like whole like Lemmy Adam kind of mindset like foaming at the mouth let me at him which could, really? which could backfire horribly because ohio state is a goddamn death machine <laughs> that's that's the most accurate way to describe it a goddamn death machine they play in a weak conference they have huge brand value so they can get like whoever they want in the country yeah, exactly. With Urban it's... Meyer, they can go into SEC territory and do fine recruiting kids because they've shown they can get guys in the pros. Mm-hmm. And then Urban Meyer is a fantastic coach. They have the talent. They have a regular season schedule that they can easily get through. And then they have Urban Meyer. Like, they're going to be in the playoffs, like, every freaking year from now on. It's going to be like, oh, another year, and it's, well, there's really three spots open for the playoff. Right, exactly, because you don't have the tight schedule of, of the SEC where, like, things can go wrong. Right. And they only have two, they're only going to have two, like, tough games every year. And it's Michigan and Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And I don't see how Michigan State's going to keep this up for very long. And Jim Harbaugh's coming up with Michigan. But that's going to be a few years off. So Ohio State's going to make it in at least the next three years. And they have superior talent to some of these SEC teams. And they have superior coaching to some of these SEC teams. Mm-hmm. So I feel so defeated with Ohio State in existence in its current form. So true. Like Red Dragon, this is my final form. <laughs> this is the Alabama game. Do you see? This is the Michigan it'll, State game. Do you see? It'll have to be the the... The beast we slay. Yeah, God. I, I'm i so upset about Urban Meyer coaching there. I thought he was done. I thought he was done <laughs> with football. After his little pizza incident? Yeah, well, after he like had to go to the hospital because he was like dying from coaching football. But now he's got a balanced life, and he's like better with his family, and now he's a better coach because of it, and I hate it. I hate it. It carries you up inside. I wish he had those same things with his family, but just minus coaching football. Yeah. So, god damn it. God damn it, Ohio State. Uh, The joys of football. All right, well, on that super negative note, uh, closing comments? Closing comments. We are, as of this recording, August 4th six days away from the start of fall camp and give or take eight ish days from the arrival of Vernon Adams against Jeff Lockie, assuming Adams can pass a math class. We'll pretend it's a quarterback battle quarterback quotes battle. I think it actually might be more than we're anticipating. I'm all for it because Jeff Lockie killed the spring game. Yeah. And, like, granted, that's, like, a sample size of nine throws. But he also did really well last year in garbage time. So. Hey, we, I'm, 
we haven't had a quarterback battle in a few years. Let's get some popcorn ready. Yeah, whoever wins that's legit, though. You'll find me on my hypothetical lawn chair in the in the universe that Oregon lets anyone waltz into their practices, and you'll find me with the lawn chair and popcorn, watching it all go down. Well, you know, you know what's going to happen is as soon as one quarterback, the starter, whoever it is, makes some mistakes, it's going to be the Darren Thomas, Brian Bennett scenario. Oh, of course. Where everyone's just like, where Brian Bennett's the most popular guy on the team. Yeah. So whoever's the backup is going to be the most popular guy in the program. So, all right. Well, we dispensed all the quack. We're out at this point until the next week. At that point, we'll be a week in a fall camp. Uh, Vernon Adams will hopefully be in camp at that point, and we will be all feasting on Rob Mosley's practice reports because he has the monopoly on watching practices right now he has got it locked down and he's got some snarkiness now that he's got the lockdown he knows he's got a lot he's got some snarkiness he's feeling himself let's blow up his mentions <laughs> yeah sit like uh just like do this secret I saw thing you i saw you tweeting at him the other week like hey yeah. what's the deal man <laughs> well he posted he posted in his article uh, Lockie number one. Yep. And then Vernon Adams number two on the depth chart. And then I tweeted, "Is that <laughs> is that the depth chart going into camp, or is that what you predict will, the finish will be?" Right. And for some reason, it split up the or like after or got split up into a separate tweet. Oh yeah. And I was like, he was like, yes, no matter what the or was. I was like, what do you mean no matter what the aura was? Like, I was, like... And so I read that one way, and then I looked at it again, and I realized it got chopped in half. I was like, damn it, this is my chance. I needed my... to know. It's like when you when you ask a genie, like, a like for a wish, and then you, like, say something incorrectly, and then he just gives you, like, the most literal disappointing of the version you asked for. You've got to go... The wish has got to be more wishes. That's how it works. Right. But I hollered at him uh, when I went to the UCLA game. I yelled, come on, Rob. So whenever it's I gonna... see him in person, I just yell, come on, Rob, which has been one time so far. That's going to be the official hashtag of our ATQ fall camp coverage. Come on, Rob. come on, Rob. That's a thing. My closing comment is if you like, if you're all about Instagram or if you follow Vernon Adams on Twitter... 18 minutes ago, he posted a, a sick edit, sick little Photoshop here, and it says hashtag Transformation Tuesday, and it's half Oregon, half Eastern Washington. Jersey. What's his What's his tag? I'm gonna look it up right now. It is uh, also MLB. Stop it with the this diamond. It looks really dumb, and that phrase is like three years old. Stop it. It's dumb. All right, what's for Adams thing? Totally lost it. Let me find it real quick. Oh, here we go. Oh, for VA Adams QB. VA Adams QB, yeah, which I think is the. Same oh, that looks real nice. Instagram. And it's that it's that throwback from the Washington game, the like mid nineties. Oh, that looks real nice. Big fan. Good, good and that's not and that's like a really nice HDR effect with a little bit noise. Sniper GFX. Yeah, but so here's here's the thing that a lot of people do with these edits, and they look dumb. 
because I follow because I was like looking at a few of these, and they just take like a Topaz Labs edit and just blow it up, mm-hmm. and it looks awful. But this one is actually really good, like really really good. So it looks like they took Marcus Mariota's jersey and laid it over the top. That's it. Looks like an eight to me. It's an eight, and you can see that it's copied and like it's it's pasted over the top. And they just did a. They put a masking thing on, so. Yeah, basically they just put a masking thing on, so. Uh, certain parts show up, certain parts don't. But that's way too photoshoppy. Transformation Tuesday, baby. Yeah, yeah. So all right, good for him. Although I'm kind of hoping uh, he does win out because if he doesn't start for the Eastern Washington game, that's going to be rough. That's not a great look. Gotta, so, gotta oh, start three weeks that. ago, took a pick at Taylor's. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. With the caption, we, keep a low profile. Oh, Taylor's <laughs> got a new TV in the back. We could do a whole podcast on just Taylor's alone. We, that would be dangerous though that would be so dangerous we'll have people and this is this isn't a podcast where we have the ability for people to call in we would just host a podcast and and people would phone in and just it's taylor's memory lane stories we can do that tell us your most ridiculous in the comments tell us your most ridiculous taylor story oh man i'm not i'm not writing anything I'm not writing anything. I'll tell like my tenth most ridiculous one. Because <laughs> I don't want people to think I'm a bad person. Right. <laughs> well that'll do it for us. Uh we're leaving uh thank you for stopping by Hamsterdam. We'll see you next week with a lot more quack. See you next week. <laughs>